You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. We've spent the last 30 weeks systematically walking through the book of Romans. On Sunday, Pastor Josh wrapped up the series by preaching the final chapter of this book, chapter 16. This passage raised a lot of great discussion topics for us today, including gender roles within church leadership, the importance of community and deep relationships with other believers, and how we should look to promote unity and, in healthy ways, engage in disagreement over secondary doctrinal issues. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for listening in today. This is After the Message. All right, hey guys, welcome to the podcast today. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. How are we all good? Mike, hey. Hi. How are you? I'm, I'm doing okay. You're great. I don't believe you, but I'm I don't look so, so, so we're sitting been a little grumpy in this little pregame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I know. I'm really sorry. So, I, you know, we're sitting we're sitting here in the podcast studio, and so every week we have to put out like these signs, right, to to try to because there's like a trafficked hallway out, you know, outside the studio, and there are these. We share a wall with two restrooms that have these fans that like come on and it picks up on the mics, and so every week we put out. Uh, uh, signs that say out of order, <laughs> you know, temporarily. And, uh, and we close all the doors and everything. And this is this, I had to get up twice before we recorded to go out and actually turn the fans off in the bathroom. Y'all should have seen him storm out here the second and, time. But nobody's there. <laughs> and so we believe that one of two things were happening. Either we're haunted here at yes. Broadmoor or somebody's playing some jokes. Somebody. It's pretty great. It's uh, Mark's theory is that someone's angry at me and uh, <laughs> it just keeps coming to do it. Uh, Too many things yesterday. So I don't don't know but anyway nonetheless so if the fan comes on during our podcast recording here it's on uh, (laughs) we will make we will make note of it uh anyway hey good to be with you guys uh uh, i missed you last week i was i was out uh when we recorded so we um, missed you neil talked a lot of trash about you though well that that's typical though when i'm out right yeah Yeah, it is probably pretty typical like no one's safe that's right. Um, <laughs> so, but Neil's not in here today, so go. we can talk about him. That's right. Uh, but who is in here? We've got Sean Selman, Josh Braddy, uh, Mark Evans, and Richard Denson <laughs> Richard. is our guest today. Guys, Richard is uh, our middle school pastor, and so Richard's good to have you in the in the conversation today. Appreciate it, Mike. Glad to be here. And uh, so, big day yesterday. Ooh, we yes, it finished. Was. 30 weeks in the book of Romans. Goodness gracious, it was so good. And so we hit chapter 16 yesterday and ended it all. Ended it all. That sounded, that sounded dramatic. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it really came out more dramatic than I intended for it to sound. But. It was a great day, though. It, was, it, it felt good. Like it, felt, uh, it really was a completion of a task that we've been working really hard towards. Um, yeah, and it just felt good to be done, and, yeah. in, a, in a great way. Not done like I don't want to mess with it, but done like it is now complete, and it ends with Amen. We ended with Amen, and yeah. praise God for it. Yeah, yeah. I think there's so many great things that came out out of this one discussion. Yeah. Like there's so many discussions that happen inside of life group and among small groups. But I even heard people say that that's the first time I've ever sat through the preaching of an entire book. Um, mm-hmm. 
And, and so there's so so many good things about traveling through one Romans, but also just through a lengthier book. Yeah. Um, and stay with it for that that number of weeks. Um, and I think that in itself creates some discipline and um, even the train of thought that goes with that um, to see how things connect. I mean, like, it was just a great great series so mm. thanks for leading us there yeah and, and I'm, I'm thankful we we were able to to journey through it and you know as we sit here the day after and and uh, i thought about this yesterday as i had a really long nap on my mm. couch which was fantastic uh and and i just think and 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 i think this is it should be right so this should be safe but some people may may hear what i say as as strange or maybe unnerving and i'm okay with it um like as i have personally journeyed through romans like it has shifted things inside of me mm. or solidified things inside of me that weren't necessarily solidified. Um, and so to to sit under a book of theology and let it just to wash you is a beautiful thing, but an unnerving thing. Like I found myself being nervous because I know Mark and I, we, we go back and forth a lot on um, uh, on. You know, honestly, just being rule followers, uh, mm-hmm. and and are we going to stay with the rules? Are we going to stay with the grace and the tension that's in between? Well, we get the theology of of Romans, and it's it's less about the the rule following and more about the grandeur of God. Mm. And I think in my own personal life, I say this often, but it was made true as we journeyed through it. My view of God was far too small, and still is far mm. too small. Right. Mm. Uh, and the more you got into the theology, you realize how great He is, and how how awful we are. Mm-hmm. And there's this sense of having to let go of our abilities to be religious, and to trust in His sovereignty and the truth of confessional Christianity, not not not. Christianity that says, I'm a Christian because I do this, or I keep this, or I've made this promise to God, but the only reason you are a Christ follower is because God in his infinite grace breathed life in your dead soul, and he sustains that in you and will do so through eternity. And if you don't believe that, that's not biblical Christianity, Mm -hmm. that's religion that you've tied some Christian words into. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's an unnerving thing because I like to be in control. Like when my wife and I go on a, I want to go on a trip. I want to drive whenever, whenever we go. So, like I want to, when I get on a plane, like I want to know who my, my pilot is just in case he needs me. I have no clue how to fly a plane, but I want to know where the exits are so I can get up there to, to help him out if he needs me. Right. So I don't know, man. Romans has been good and unnerving in all the best ways for me. So how many times have you been uh, pulled aside by the air marshal? Well, you know, I see when I get on a plane and I see the little kids get in the cockpit and they get a cool little button. I tried that one time and they said no. Uh, yeah. Um, and so I don't know if it was like bald head, beard, close to 300 pounds. I don't know if that had anything to do with oh, it. I'm but. sure it did. I'm sure it did. I was like, why does he get to go? He's seven. I'm 40. What's the difference? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I love the just what you said about this being about the grandeur of God. Because mm-hmm. my, my, my absolute favorite part of the chapter yesterday was it's the doxology at the yeah. end, mm-hmm. you know, which is just for me, it's just like beautiful. Yes, sir. Um, and in such a great way to end the book. Uh, but uh, there are several things I think that, that we've pointed out uh, in our pre-recording conversation that we want to try to hit today. And, and I think almost right out of the gate, uh, uh during your message, uh, you, you brought up that, hey, some of this is some of this we're going to talk about may feel a little contentious for those of you who grew up, particularly in Southern Baptist uh, world. And so, uh, and, and, 
and it came up first thing because it's in the very first verse of the first chapter, verse, right? That's right. And it, it raises the whole the whole question about Phoebe and who she was and what her role was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, talk to us a little bit about that, and let's uh, let's let's dive into. Sure. So, what so that this brings up for us. So it's it's kind of fun, uh, and, and anybody who's like reading has read Romans before, and you get to chapter sixteen, you know it's coming. But for a lot of our our church people, I believe it's true. Maybe we haven't read this book in totality, and so we're just following along to get to the end because we're just enjoying the ride. And so there's this sense of you get to the very last chapter and the very first verse of the last chapter, you realize because in your mind, if you don't have that frame. That the Apostle Paul is standing before the church teaching this letter, or at least a, another apostle type standing teaching letter. And what we have is we have a woman who who is standing with the authority under the Apostle Paul to, to not only deliver these letters to all the churches that would be in Rome, the Christian churches that would be there, but to be able to answer any questions that they may have about anything that the Apostle Paul has said. And so... It, and then it says that she's a servant. Now, that's what the ESV says. Uh, and if you go back and you do that word, um, the word servant is diakonos. It's the same exact word that we get in First Timothy chapter 3 and the idea of what is a deacon and the qualifications of a deacon. So those two words come together. And in the Baptist world, that that's strange because most Baptist churches, Southern Baptist churches, have never, ever thought of having a female deacon. Now, because, and, and we talked about it yesterday, and I'll do it quickly, because typically, if you come from a, a smaller Baptist church, your deacons are functioning as elders. Um, they're, they're not necessarily just working on the tables or, or wiping tables or cleaning up after events. They're taking care of the business of the church, the theology of the church, the health of the church. And it would make sense that because we believe that an elder is a, is a male as um, qualified by scripture position. And so when, when we see that, it, it, for some people, it's like, man, that, that just doesn't compute. But when we see it in function, we understand that growing up, you're going to have pastors who preach in your church. You're going to have your deacons who are probably going to be more elders than they are going to be deacons. And you have a whole group of women who honestly, it's all women who are going to play the role of servant, at least the biblical understanding of what a deacon should do in the sense of, we talked about yesterday, who were the people in your church growing up were the ones that would, if you had an event to eat, who were the ones that set the table? Who were the one that planned the meals? Who were the one that, that made sure everything was filled? Who were the one that stayed after to clean everything up? Who was the one that if there's a birth in the church or a death in the church are the first ones to go to that house and to provide care and to make sure that care is sustained? Typically, it's going to be the women or the church mothers in, inside your church family. And so you may not have called them deacons or deaconesses, uh, but they certainly did deek. Like, like they served. They, they played that role. And our churches would have fallen apart had they not. Uh, and so it's still true here at Broadmoor. Um, we, uh, after a funeral, we have uh, the bereavement meal. You walk up to whatever room that's in. How many men do you see in that room compared to how many women you see in that room? Mm-hmm. It's filled with women as it should be in the sense of they give great care. And we have people from all walks of life and, and both genders who are great at serving. And that role by scripture is divine for men and women, if we understand it properly, which is mm. a little different from where we come from though. Yeah. On a side note, just kind of funny. Had somebody ask me yesterday. It was like, "What is where the word deek? Where does that come from?" <laughs> <laughs> That's a Josh Brady special. <laughs> so, I was like, uh, "It's kind of like a pastoral slang, a little bit." Like, <laughs> so. I was working through how to spell that phonetically, and I was like, "D E E hyphen K." Yeah. So, 
Yeah. So, and I'm sure that that, you know, this, this raised a lot of question in a lot of life groups yesterday, no doubt. Uh, and I know it did in ours. Uh, so, and, and I, and I think these are, these are good conversations. They're healthy conversations that, that, you know, we need to be wrestling with and, and, and continue to push through. Uh, so there's, there's one real practical thing that, that, that probably came up because at the end of our service yesterday, uh, we, uh, we introduced Emily Rodas, who, who has moved into the role. She's been on our staff for uh, several years now, mm-hmm. but she has moved into the role of what we're calling chief financial officer, uh, which was historically filled by Steve Mulholland, who, who we called our executive pastor uh, for business administra- and, and administration. So uh, I, I think there, it, it is a valid question, like, what is the difference between Emily's role and what Steve's role was? And, and how does, you know, as it relates to this passage, yeah, even right. as we're talking about the roles of women in, in, in the church, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how do we answer that for people? That's a great question. I'll start by setting the table for this discussion. I think it's a really great discussion. And if you don't think it is, then go to Twitter. Actually, don't do this. <laughs> but if you were to go to Twitter and you would type in SBC, like just the the hashtag SBC, you're going to see all the vitriol that is coming at us in our convention that's going to meet in the next two weeks or three weeks uh, in New Orleans. And, and a lot of it is centering around women in ministry, women in pastoral roles. And so there are people who are jockeying for positions. What's this? What's this? And so just to be clear, as I understand, and I believe that this is historical Christianity's teaching on this, there is only one thing that that women cannot do as far as a function or office in the church, and that would be in that pastor, elder, overseer role, um, because that is that it has nothing to do with with saying that you can't do this. It has everything to do with male headship that we see all the way back in Genesis and the creative order of Adam and Eve, right? So, so th- there's a whole discussion there. But I want to be clear. We should not be restrictive on who can and, and shouldn't do what, but we need to be incredibly clear as to what the Bible tells us are the roles for, for God's glory inside the church. Uh, and I believe that pertains to, to, to leading and, and headship and, and making sure that we understand our roles. So to that end, we have uh, Emily Rodas, uh, who has come on. And again, as Mike said, she's been here over five years serving as a financial controller here at Broadmoor uh, and now is coming on as chief financial officer. Um, Steve Mulholland, although he was executive pastor of, of business and administration, he did a lot of pastoral duties. Mm-hmm. So when we would sit in our meetings weekly, he would speak into teaching and preaching, and he would speak into how we would do groups and direction. and it was in direction. Mm-hmm. It would be much more than just hey, how was giving this week or or, or how are we on budget? Like he. he he was a pastor on our staff who happened to be gifted with the finances uh, and understanding finances and, and how budgets worked for a really big church. Um, so as we were looking, we realized that he was a bit of a unicorn in, in the sense of there's not a lot of people in the, in the world um, who, who want to leave a corporate job and come to work in a church setting, but but kind of exercise those, those corporate muscles. Uh, and so as we looked around, we, we actually did a, a, a pretty extensive nationwide search and realized we had the best thing already here on our staff and Emily wrote us. Um, and so Emily is not a pastor. 
uh, and she is not operating in a pastor, elder, or overseer role, but she is operating as a chief financial officer for our church. Um, she is going to serve on our church council, um, which we understand is, is more of an administrative board here at Broadmoor, uh, but does not serve as an elder function, uh, does not speak into necessarily the doctrine, discipline, or direction uh, that we move as a church, which are more elder uh, matters that we deal with. And so, um, Emily, I believe, is is not being restricted in any stretch of the imagination. If you were to ask her, she would say, I didn't want to do any of those things anyway. Mm -hmm. She's incredibly gifted in the grace of God in what she does. And she does so with a minister's heart. Mm -hmm. And so when she comes in, it's not just about dollars and cents and are we making budget and what's the trend lines looking like? Like her heart beats for the gospel. Her heart beats for the church to do exactly what it was intended to do, which is to carry out the great commission. Um, And so we are so blessed to have her on our staff, particularly uh, in one of the highest roles that we can have in the church, but to understand that she's not playing a pastoral role, I think is important. Mm. It's good. Helpful. Yeah, it is helpful. And, uh, and so, okay, next question. So uh, this question came up, I can't remember which of you brought it up, but uh, you mentioned Prisca and Aquila uh, in it, that it's mentioned in the text uh, in at the top of the list of names that that Paul gives. Um, so uh, one of our church members asked a question: uh, Was this a husband and wife pastoral team? So uh, can we bring some clarity to that? Like, what what was their role in the church, or do we know that? I've talked a lot. Some of other people answer. Um. So I I don't see them as a pastoral couple. But but they were they had a significant contribution within the church, particularly in Rome, right? So we see them come out of Rome, connect with Paul. They became supporters of his ministry. They became people that encouraged him, probably gave to him. Um, so so you're talking about two people that um, led well within the church, but were not necessarily the pastors of a church. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and we can't really, like, there's not enough information to That's right. hold on to, to go, what specifically was their role? We just know that Paul describes them as fellow workers, mm-hmm. right? And so, well, fellow workers can mean a lot of things. Yeah. And so I would consider all of us who are born again, who have been um, redeemed by Christ, we, we are now workers of the gospel. That's right. So alongside fellow fellow workers together in this. So if you if you are a believer, then we are working to carry out the Great Commission. And I think that's what you have in Priscilla Aquila or Prisca Aquila. Mm, right. Which is same people. But but yeah, we, we have that. And so we we have a it's undefined as to what specific role they had, but we do know that they were about the gospel. Yeah. So good. Good answer. Great answer. Good, good answer. Good answer. Eight out of ten. That's good. Eight out of ten. I'll take it. I'll take it. So, so, yeah. So that's good, man. I mean, and and I think that that just your whole comment about fellow workers and all that, I think, is is a great segue into uh, kind of the next topic. I think uh, we we want to talk about uh, because there is a long list of names that that. Paul provides and, and people that uh, he wants uh, the church in Rome to to greet, um, which, by the way, uh, uh, Josh, I felt for you as you were reading. <laughs> <laughs> it felt for me. You know, it was pretty painful. And, and what's, <sighs> you did great, but it just so, it felt. 
long. Well, and dude, I, I probably went through it about fifteen times, <laughs> and I felt comfortable. But then you get on the stage, and you. So if you could see my notes right here, and, and everybody in this room can, like <laughs> I, I highlighted in yellow, and I phonetically spelled them out. That's funny. Yes. But as I started, and and if you get nervous, like anytime you get nervous, yeah. and I know you feel this in any setting, like your eyes begin to narrow, and it's hard to read. It's hard to, and so I'm normally fine, like on a stage. But when you start messing up these these words, like my eyes get squinty, right. yeah. my, vo- my voice gets a little cracked. I'm like, oh no, this is bad. I still got 27 more to go. What's, what uh, I love, what I love, is you have all good. these names, right? And then all of a sudden, like all these really strange Greek names and things, and then all of a sudden you've got. Julia. Jason. It's like, where did that come from? Yes. Uh, I'm thankful for that. So anyway, uh, but but I think what, what we're seeing here, uh, you know, and we're talking about being fellow workers is is the importance of of community and the importance of uh, of, of really uh, strong relationships that encourage us and and help us as we uh, we walk through this uh, this this Christian journey. Yeah. And so um, you know, Richard, you were sharing earlier, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You were sharing right, earlier, brother. <laughs> uh, I think, and you were talking about some of the discussion that came up in, in the student ministry world yesterday, uh, following the message, but you also related a personal story. Um, tell us about that and, and kind of what you guys were talking about as it relates to this. Yeah. So, um, yesterday I had the opportunity to lead the sixth grade boys life group, um, which was, you know. Always, always enjoyable. Sounds awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> um, to be truthful, they, they listened pretty good. good. I was very impressed. <laughs> um, and so we talked about, as we were going through the chapter and we were listing all the names and all the people that, that Paul talks about that had, that had helped him, that had um, just served with him. And I was able to share kind of my story about how, when I was their age, I had this gentleman speak into me, this this leader, this person who helped me, who developed me, I mean, and the list went on and on and on all mm. the way to this very day, which, you know, some of you guys in this room right here are guys that are still speaking mm. into my life. Um, but I was talking about one individual that um, I met him in college, and right now he is my, my longest standing friend as of today. Uh-huh. Um, and the relationship that we have is is wonderful because we have the kind of relationship where um, – like we talked about, ministry sometimes is hard, and you need people to, mm-hmm. to prop you up and hold you and encourage you and remind you the things you know, but sometimes we let them slip because of what's going on in our lives. And uh, some of the greatest moments that I look back on are when we sit there and say, hey, I'll be your soundboard. Mm-hmm. Tell me what's going on. And I don't want fluff. I don't want mm-hmm. made-up stuff. I want the real, raw truth, and I will not say a word. And so there have been times we've had like three-hour conversations on the phone, and I'll say, "Bro, this is this is what's going on. This is making me furious. This is what is you know going on in my ministry. This is what's going on." And he comes back and he says, "Okay, I love you. May I speak into it now?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "I don't want you to, but <laughs> I, I know this is good." And he'll he'll tell me straight right. up like the stuff you don't want to hear. But I, I had a conversation with him yesterday, and I said, "Hey, bro, you were, you were brought up in life group, and you know we had the discussion about you." And I said that the fact that you and I are still friends, and we can still—you'd be the guy I call at three a.m. three a.m. in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, frustrated, mad, and you still love on me, not look at me any differently. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the things mm-hmm. that I look at. And I, as I look at this list, you can see people 
throughout our lives that, you know, have spoken into us, have told us hard truths that love us unconditionally. Yes, right. You know, and they, they cultivate that relationship. That's and that that would be one of the relationships that I would look at and say that relationship has been cultivated, has been uh, just it's a God given thing and mm-hmm. I praise God for it, you know. And so I think that's, that's one of the biggest things we, we asked them yesterday is who in your life right now are you allowing to speak into you? Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Who are you allowing to walk with you through the the everyday things, the mm-hmm. things that you are you are dealing with that you, you know, who are you allowing to um, be real with you, be authentic mm-hmm. with you, if that if it were? So that was kind of our yeah. our focus yesterday. That's great. When we brought it, that's so. great. I think another thing that comes out of this is we see this as a commendation of Paul too. Mm-hmm. So it's not just this. So yes, what you're saying is absolutely right, but it's also Paul saying to the Roman Church, "You can trust these folks." That's right. Like. These are people who have, like, we've had the conversations. Mm-hmm. I've heard them discuss the truth. I've seen them live life. I've seen them risk their life for me mm-hmm. or to come alongside me. And so he's he's not just saying, hey, here's just a long list of people who I'm acquainted with. He's also looking at a fellow group of believers going, you can trust them he's too. He's endorsing yeah. them. Yes. Um, yeah. And so so you have you have some of that as well. That mm-hmm. And so so for us, like, do we have people in our life that we go, hey, if if you want an example, and I think this is important, mm-hmm. if you want an example of what it looks like to follow Christ, mm-hmm. here's a person that mm-hmm. you need to look to, especially when I think about students. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so important to connect them to people absolutely that they could they could essentially model their yeah. life after mm-hmm. to to discover and see what it looks like as a person embraces Christ and actually follows Him and becomes yeah. obedient to Him. So Paul Paul's doing this a little bit here as well. Absolutely. <clears throat> I think it's good and and for where we live today. And I don't think this was Paul's point at all because he doesn't speak against it. Um but a lot of times where we live, we like to tell people who they should stay away from. And yeah. I think it goes to, uh, to what yeah, you're just good. saying exactly. So we'll say stay away from these people, stay away from this group, stay away from whatever this is. Okay, well who do, who do you go to? Right. Yeah, and and in essence if we don't do that, what we're saying is stay away from everybody except me. Because I'm the standard, and I want you to. And so Paul does something a little bit different. Like he's yeah. saying, "Look, these are all people you can know and trust." And and I don't know if we can great <clears throat> appreciate it accurately. I don't. I don't know if I can either. The hatred between Jew and Gentile, mm-hmm. like they hated each other. I, I mean, they couldn't stand each other, and that was a lot of the riff in this church, mm-hmm. particularly. Um, and so for the fact for Paul to say on a list that has both Jew and Gentile in That's it, right? Mostly Gentile, though. And these names that are being mentioned, like he's saying, hey, look, no, not only are they good, not only are they Christian, but you need to model your life. Like like when you see them, encourage them. See, they have helped me and they're helping you in your faith. That's mm-hmm. a big deal. Yes. So I'd be curious, like even in, in our life, like are we just known for who we stay away from or what we stay away from? Or do we say, hey, some people may look different than you or act different. You come from a different place than you. But, man, that's the real deal. And mm. you you do ministry alongside them because I'm doing ministry alongside them. And that's a beautiful mm. thing. Mm. I think we we say no more than we say yes and affirmation to what mm. God has called us to. Yeah. I, so if I can encourage listeners, you guys, like learn <clears throat> learn to make connections between people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um. My wife's father had an incredible practice that 
over the years I've kind of learned from, and it's he, in talking to people, if he heard the same person's name three times, he made it a point that he wanted to go meet them. Wow. Because he was like, that person, that person has had an effect on at least three people I know. So that person, I want to know what it is. Mm -hmm. Like, and so, so not just from that, that point, but to, to go, okay, let me make connections and I'll, I'll give you a, a personal one. Um, not too long ago, well, Senior Sunday, when we celebrated seniors, I have a senior this year. <clears throat> Josh Kinsley said, hey, men in this congregation, I want you to pick out a guy up here mm-hmm. that you're going you're gonna to pray for. Maybe you don't even know their name, but you just identify a face, but pray for that kid um, as they start on this new journey. Um, so I had a church member that actually sent me a text that said, hey, the only kid I knew up there was your son. And so I'm committing to pray for him. And I was like, wow. So my first response was like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. Then as I thought about it more, what I needed to do was I needed my son to know that guy. Mm. So, so how do I now go, hey, yeah, Keenan, I need you to meet this person. And here's why. Because he's committing to pray for you. And so it creates an accountability between like the body of Christ mm-hmm. But also the whole idea of knowing that. Otherwise, my son doesn't have a clue who this person is. So just as believers, being willing to go, okay, whoa, wait, hold on. As Paul's doing, let let me make a connection between two people because ultimately it, it, one, I believe, brings glory to God. Number two is it solidifies and brings unity to the body of Christ because there's encouragement, there's accountability that comes from that. That's so good. Mm. You're such a good dad. I'm stealing that. Great. I'm just, I'm just trying, man. I love it. Just dude. trying. I get a lot of things wrong and some things right. Right. So, just... Hey, uh, so we've got just a few minutes left, and I, I want us to uh, I want us to spend just a, a couple of minutes uh, talking about because when we get to uh, when we get to verse 17 and uh, and the, the couple of verses there, uh, Paul talks about watching out for those who would cause divisions and create obstacles that are contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. And he says to avoid them. Um, so, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about that uh, for, a, for a few minutes. Uh, you know, because uh, it, the point was made in the message that, you know, there are things, I mean, we're, we're never going to agree on everything, right? right. They're gonna, we're going to have differences of perspective and, and ideas about lots of things, secondary issues and things. Now we should agree and be unified on essential matters. Right. Um, but, uh, so, you know, how do we go about even having healthy discussions about our disagreements in a way that doesn't cause division? I think it's a great question. Um, particularly in our life groups was the first setting that came to my mind. When you have a setting of believers, Richard, like you're talking about people that you invite into your life, which I hope we have settings in life group where you've invited people in. They have permission to to go back and forth. Maybe not at the level of, of this guy that you're talking about, <laughs> but it's some level where there's open and honest communication where I feel like this is a place that I can voice my differences, voice my differences of opinion, ask questions that say, I'm not sure I agree with this or I don't really understand this. But also know that when you feel that, there's the concern of, is me saying this going to cause the division mm. that Paul's talking about? Mm-hmm. So if we have people in our life groups who are, who want to verbalize some of their frustration or their disappointment or their confusion or their lack of clarity on a particular scripture, 
how do they do that in such a way that they don't feel like they're causing division? Mm. Um, and I, I'll give the first answer, and then you guys can um, y'all can chime in. But I, I think a lot of it is the posture of the heart when sure. I'm presenting yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Am I presenting this to this life group because I'm angry and I want to get my point made and I want everybody else to get on board? Or is it, hey, I'm struggling here or I've got a question here and I'm inviting you guys in to be a part of the process of me growing in this area so that I'm sharper. Um, If it's prideful, I'm trying to win an argument versus I'm humble and inviting you in. Those are two different postures on how we approach something that maybe we have a difference of opinion in or a question around or which we're struggling through a, a, a doctrinal issue even. Mm-hmm. That's spot on. And, and I think it also, <clears throat> if you're in a life group setting, I think it should be safer because you probably know them and they know mm-hmm. you. And so it's safe to do that. I don't know um, you know, if, if it's a group of strangers that you just kind of throw the grenade of, well, <laughs> right. have you thought about this? Or right. I think right. this. Um, or social media. Or mean. social media. or fa- <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it, it, that's why community is important. That's, that's, right. that's where you get to wrestle and work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, and so I think it's important. If you don't have that, you live in an echo chamber. That's right. Um, because you're just going to be around people who are going to tell you, to much like what Richard was talking about, like if, if we don't have those those relationships, you're just going to be affirmed in what you already believe. And if that's not right, then it's going to be a really bad affirmation right? Um, where it comes from. So that, that's what I would say. Defensiveness yeah. is such an easy thing for all of us. We, we default yeah. often to being defensive. Yeah. Because if we've thought through it, we feel threatened if somebody else starts pushing yeah. back. Well, what happens in a relationship or even could be in a life group, but certainly on social media and in relationships You've got this opinion that you've worked really hard to develop, and then somebody starts pushing back on it, the threat that you feel wells up inside Uh and you start defending, and your posture changes from humility and receptivity to I've got to work hard to to fend off anything that's attacking my position. And And you make it personal, right? That's that's, that's when it goes bad. That's when it goes south. That's right. Yeah. If you think about... Everything that Paul's written about, he points this church back to the core primary issues, mm-hmm. saying there cannot be disagreement on these things. Right. Right. But he also brings up in his letter that there is disagreement and there needs to be healthy discussion about those things. And how do you walk alongside the weaker brother? Mm. So he he sets the table really in the, the entirety of his letter that we talk about primary, secondary, tertiary, you know, first, first, second, third important issues. Those first important issues, those primary issues of the gospel, how mm-hmm. a person's saved, who Christ is, we we cannot different, just like Paul's teaching. We we're gonna hold to scripture. He pulls in all these old testament teachings. He he's saying we cannot differ on these things. But when differences of opinion come up, this is how we must handle them. Yeah. And so he, so holding on to that, there are, there are certain, certain things that we, I think we have to be willing to fight for mm-hmm. and go, Standard we around. cannot, we cannot sway from that truth. Right. right. Mm. Um, but there are other things that we need to have that posture mm-hmm. of discussion and go and help, help me understand this mm-hmm. <clears throat> primarily in light of the gospel, That's right? right. Mm-hmm. Holding that as chief. Right. Yeah. As you were talking, uh, Mark, just the, James one nineteen came to mind, you know, just that we need to be 
quick to listen, mm, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. That's right. Um, and, you know, because I, I think that that speaks a lot to the posture that we ought to have mm-hmm. in those conversations. Um, and we may have those conversations and may not walk around, away from it feeling like that we've been swayed That's in right. our, our position on it. That's right. Um, but again, I think to, to be willing to engage the conversation with one another in a way that's gracious and, uh, and humble. Uh, and then w- when, we, when we come to an impasse and we're just not going to agree, like you and I have different, right. you know, again, it's not an essential matter. So right. like we can still be friends. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. You know? And, that's and right. still be under the heading of unified. That's right. Mm-hmm. right. We, we mm-hmm. can still have unity as brothers over the core things that make us family, even though we disagree on a secondary issue. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. yeah. And before we, we move on, I know we're running out of time. Just to, one, one more point of clarity. I think we've, we've gone around it, but just to be crystal clear. Verse 17 is, is really important. And if you read that face value, it just kind of feels like, well, what I've been taught is something that I cling to. Mm-hmm. Well, what's been taught is, is the scriptures from the authoritative view of an apostle. Apostle. Um, and so, so we, we need to be clear on Paul is an apostle, and he has an ability to speak to things in a way that, honestly, nobody else can. Right. Um, that's why he contends so much at the beginning of some of his letters to say, I am an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. I saw Sorry. him after he was resurrected. So what I'm speaking to you is authoritative in a way that's completely different than a pastor. So to kind of spell this out just a little bit, you may have grown up and been taught by your papa or your mima or your preacher from years ago, or even me, to be clear, even me on a Sunday morning as I stand there, if what I say is different than what the scriptures teach, the scriptures are always right. Absolutely. Right. right? So, so we need to be clear. Right. And when we say what we've been taught, don't differ from that. It's not what has been passed down to mm-hmm. you from generations or from your preacher or from whatever it would be. It's what comes from the Holy Scripture. That's why we say all the time, mm-hmm. these scriptures are our authority. It mm-hmm. is the thing that we anchor our soul to, for it is eternal in nature. Right, so so the the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. I think that's an important descriptor of who Jesus is. And then now we have the the holy inspired infallible word of God, and we cling to it because we know it is completely eternal. Mm. And that's where we hang. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. Yeah. That's great. Well, uh, it's been a great thirty weeks, guys. It has been <laughs> good. <laughs> so good. So it's, it's it's brought up some great conversations in in these uh, these podcasts for sure. Um, so uh, just just a look ahead real quick. Uh, next Sunday uh, we have Jordan Two who is preaching. Two um, and uh, and then uh, we will enter into the summertime and we're doing a ten week series from the Psalms. No, uh, nine, nine, Josh is holding nine weeks up so. from the Psalms. All right. Well, I stand corrected. But I like it. I, we could go ten if you want to. Well, Maybe. I feel like we were going. It 10 was at ten, one point. and then we. All right. We so. shifted. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> It'd be great. It's okay, Mike. Yeah. Your posture is humble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be quick to listen, slow to speak. It's yeah. going to be great. Slow to become angry. <laughs> we may go twelve. Who knows? It'll be a lot of fun. I feel like uh, feel like I wasn't that I wasn't I wasn't uh, following James one nineteen when the <laughs> bathroom fans were coming on. Hey, know. but it didn't come on though. That's the good news. That right? is true. So. Not that I'm aware of. So, um, <laughs> hey, so uh, great discussion today, guys. As always, uh, love love walking alongside you, mm-hmm. doing ministry with you, and uh, so until next week, love you guys. Have a good one. Love you guys. Have a good one. See you.
This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at my Broadmoor. Thanks for listening.